0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Saturday, July the 8th, 2023. It is currently 10.09 a.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas, and it feels like... That it's been like six months since I've sat down in front of this microphone to do a live broadcast. It does feel good to be back. But it's like, okay, wait, do I remember how to do this? I think I remember how to do this. Now, now, my my thoughts today were I was going to come up here and I was going to spend all day doing one live broadcast after another live broadcast after, after another live broadcast. Oh, I had so many ideas, so many things I wanted to accomplish. And then at 9 a.m. this morning, 9 a.m., that's what I hear. My front door. I open my front door. There's my daughter, her two kids, and her two dogs. And they walk in are like, "Hey, I'm taking the kids to six flags. Peace out. Here's my dogs. Watch them. So Sophie and Sam are currently downstairs, and I have a feeling. That they may decide to try to become famous and try to hijack this program with their crying and barking and throwing an absolute fit. And my cat is not happy about the situation. So there's kind of a, a, a zoo downstairs. So I, I don't know how that, that will impact me going live today. Yes. I, I wasn't quite prepared for that, but that's okay. That's okay. It's okay. okay. I love animals. I love animals. I want to take good care of the dogs. I just, I just want to do about 15 hours of live broadcast is what I want to do. But we'll use every opportunity that we have today to do just that and talk about lots of important things. And I don't know if you've been paying attention. Now, I have been kind of a little you know, out of the the flow of things. I haven't been right there with my ear to the ground, listening to everything that's going on. I've been, you know, walking around Salem, at, you know, going to museums and hearing stories about the witch trials and all the crazy things that's happened in Salem over the years. I've been doing that and be, I've been reading a book on uh, the Salem witch trials and reading some sermons and theology of cotton mather just i i've been kind of doing that reading a, a novel i've been doing a lot of different things like that so i haven't been paying attention to everything going on but it seems that when i left there was a lot of discussions a lot of rumblings a lot of debatings a lot of fighting about the role of women in the church. And I think Elevation Church left the SBC over women pastors. There's been a lot going on. And then, john was it John Piper? I think right before I left, John Piper came out and said that women should not be in charge of parachurch ministries. If I have that article somewhere. Yes, John Piper says, uh, women shouldn't lead parachurch organizations. And we talked about that. So there's been a lot of just, I'm not going to say it's the, the big controversy of the moment, but I think the summer of 2023, it's going to, if we look back at the big religion stories of the summer of 2023, I think, you know, a lot more, there is more debates about women and their role and the church and what it should and shouldn't be. And typically... The argument is made. Well, the, the role of women in the church has been something that the church has agreed upon throughout church history. Go back, read the church fathers, look at the early church. Women were not allowed to be pastors. That's the way it worked. Those were the rules. And we're just following historical biblical Christianity. Well, I wake up this morning, July the 8th, 2023. Now, yes, the first thing that woke me up was a knock on the door and dogs running into my house. But as soon as that was over and I had a chance, I picked up my iPad and the very first news story that I saw today was this, the church fathers repudiate gender hierarchies in the Bible. The Christian Post has published an article today claiming that the early church fathers repudiate gender hierarchies in the Bible. That when, when when you look at what the church fathers actually said, what they actually wrote, they repudiate gender roles, gender hierarchies in the Bible. That, that, that whole hierarchical, hierarchical system is not something the church fathers taught, believed, or supported. Now, I think most would be one shocked by that claim. I think most would be like, oh, well, let's be fair. Look, let, let, let now this is always important. When, it, when any time an article is published by the church about the church fathers, I don't care what they say. I don't care who's using it. I always get nervous because this is one thing I have witnessed throughout my Christian life. Everyone wants to use the church fathers when it is convenient, right? Calvinists will use the church fathers. Non-Calvinists will use the church fathers. Ca- uh, Catholics will use the church fathers. Non-Catholics will use the church fathers. Everyone runs to the church fathers because, if hey, if I can find four or five church fathers who, who say something that sounds like what I believe, then I can say, that has been the belief of the early church for 2,000 years. How dare you change it today? Well, I always have problems with a lot of that approach. One... Whenever you go to the church fathers to try to use them to support your doctrine or your belief, well, then you, then, then why don't you use them to just deter, determine all of your beliefs and all of your doctrine? Because I guarantee you, when someone uses the church fathers on one point, they reject the church fathers on 30 or 40 other points. So then of of what value is to, like, you know, hey, the church fathers believe this. Well, congratulations. They also believe this and this and this and this and this. And you reject that and you reject that and you reject that. But now you're telling me I must believe this because the church fathers did. Well, wait a minute. Then then they determine all of our beliefs. So either they are authoritative or they are not. Now, if you believe they are authoritative, then that's okay. Follow them in every single Doctrine and biblical interpretation. If they are not authoritative, then don't shove them in my face telling me I must believe something because the church father said it. Now, I believe the church father should be studied. I believe every church should have sermons and, and, and teaching series going through the church fathers. And I believe the, you should get everyone in your church to read the church fathers. One, because it protects them. Because everyone uses the church fathers. It's like the church fathers is like a tool and or more, more almost like a hammer. It's almost like a baseball bat. And whenever they're like, oh, I've got to prove a point. Oh, wait, didn't you? Don't you know what Augustine said? Boom. And then they hit you with it. And then you're supposed to go, oh, wait, Augustine said that. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I will agree with you. And it's like, well, Augustine also said 500 other things. Do you agree with him on all of those? No. Well, then why are you quoting him on this point? It, it, it's absolutely maddening to me the way the church fathers are used. The way I approach the church fathers is more this. They give me insight to what some believed in the early church. They give me, they give me a perspective. They give me an interpretation. They give me a theological position. They give me things to consider to challenge what I may believe, but I don't believe they are authoritative in any special way. I believe they give me insight into the minds of, of people trying to follow Christ and understand scripture and understand theology and the time in which they lived. There are many things I agree with them on and there's many things I don't agree. Should I be humbled when I read them? Yes. Should I be very careful to consider their words? I even will say yes to that, but I am not bound by them. But it, it's a, it's a common thing for people to do that and some and, and and it'll be it's so crazy. It'll be like someone quoting a church father like and just yelling and screaming and, about it and you're like and you do realize that church father would have basically condemned you as a heretic 15 other different ways. So why would you be so like the church fathers, the church fathers, the church fathers. So I, I think the church fathers are like this, it's they've almost reached like mythical status. You know, hey, you know what the church fathers said? What? Oh, okay. We must believe it. And I, I'm not, I don't, I don't look. I don't follow that logic because I would have to believe everything. So the Christian post today on this June the 8th, 2023 are telling us that the church fathers repudiate gender hierarchies in the Bible. So let's just start with it. Let's go. Let's sedate. That the church fathers actual one hundred percent repudiate gender hierarchies in the Bible. They, that they they don't believe that women. They they taught that women could be pastors. That women could be in charge of no, of anything. parachurch, church, ministries of all kind. And they don't. They did not believe in any kind of gender hierarchy. Would that would that shock you? Would that surprise you? Would that make you stop and go? I wonder if we got this wrong. Now, it, to me, I'm all for stopping. Going. I wonder why. But would you be shocked? Now, is this a situation where the Christian Post is selecting only the church fathers that agree with them? Or is this a situation where the Christian Post is now going to use the church fathers against everyone who typically uses the church fathers to prove that their use of the church fathers is problematic because, well, the church fathers also believe this about gender hierarchies. Now, I'm not going to read the entire article. I would challenge you to go to thechristianpost.com. I'm just curious of one name. So what I want to do today is I'm going to hand you one name. I'm going to put it on the plate. I'm going to hand you the plate and say, okay, go work on this and tell me what you find. Are you ready to be a Bible detective? Because I, I really think, I don't even know if, if the Bible's good. I, I Just be a detective. Use every resource available to you. Are you ready? Here's how the article begins right? Here's how the article begins. The Danvers Statement on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood asserts, that's the Danvers, D-A-N-V-E-R-S, the Danvers Statement on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood asserts the husband's authority and that some governing and teaching roles within the church are restricted to men. People who believe this commonly claim to uphold the traditional teaching on gender roles in the church. But do their interpretations of Bible passages actually convey what the church fathers taught? Let's consider a few examples. Now, stay with me here. So the Danvers Statement on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood, that's that they're they're that they're using that as the kind of the the, the source document as the, for those who believe and basically, uh, you know, gender hierarchies. Okay. And that would restrict women from being pastors. And they say that those who would hold to that statement are though, uh, they believe that they're holding to a traditional teaching on gender roles. But do their interpretations of biblical pa- passages actually convey what the church fathers taught? Now, once again, we're right back to the situation. Okay. If you read the church fathers, Do you have, are, is their interpretation of scripture any more authoritative than ours? Now, in some cases, we try to act like it is. In other cases, we try to act like it isn't. That's one of the issues with the church fathers. Whenever we want to somehow prove that my interpretation is right because, well, the church fathers agreed with me, but I could probably turn three pages over and find the church fathers disagreeing with you. Now, I think it's always fascinating to go back and see how the church fathers handled scripture and for it to challenge me to go, hmm, why did they handle it that way? What did, what, why, why do we see it so differently and be humble enough to be willing to change our view? But it's, it can't just be, well, the church father said, and their argument is that, hey, the church fathers typically agree with people who interpret the Bible as teaching gender hierarchies. And and, well, let's see where where they start with this. All right, I'm not going to read everything, I'm just focused on one name, name here. Denver statement number three asserts the following Adam's headship in marriage was established by God before the fall and was not a result of sin. John Chrysostom. And I always, hopefully I'm saying his name correctly. Sometimes I always feel like I'm not. But John Chrysostom, however, writing from AD to 407 affirms that Eve was not subjected as soon as she was made, nor when he brought her to the man, did either she hear any such thing from God, nor did the man say any such word to her. She indeed, uh, that she was bo- bone of his bone, flesh of his fl- p- flesh. But uh, of rule or subjection, he nowhere made mention unto her. Now, the Denver Statement is saying, hey, Adam's headship was established before the fall. And John Chrysostom seems to be saying, no, 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 no. There was no submit, submitting or Adam was the head, uh, before the fall. That none of that, none of that appeared before the fall. She never heard anything like that. She was bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh, flesh, but the rule of subjection was nowhere ever mentioned to her. In other words, John, they're claiming that John Chrysostom was saying, Hey, Adam wasn't in a sense in a, in a male leadership. He wasn't in any, some male authority headship over Eve before the fall. So John Chrysostom saying, no, before the fall, there was none of that. The Denver statement is saying, no, that was established before the fall. Now you can have your own back and forth and what that, would that matter? Would that not matter? How would that impact your view on gender hierarchies? Would that have a profound impact on you? Hey, did, did the, did the, the, the man's headship, was it established before the fall or was it established after the fall? To me, it's not whether it was before or after. To me, the issue is, what ha, was it ever clearly established in Scripture? And if it was, well, then we would have to follow it, right? Okay. Now, here we go. The next paragraph. So that paragraph doesn't, I, I don't know why you would debate that. It was before the fall. It was after the fall, before the fall, after the fall, before the fall. Okay. You've, you, you, you could, you could go all day on that, but here we go. Similar, in a similar way, gender hierarchists typically either give junia, J-U-N-I-A, junia, Now, Junia is mentioned in Romans 16, 7. That is what I want you to work on today. Romans 16, 7. Let me read it. Romans 16, 7. Paul says, Salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen, my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles who also were in Christ before me. Andronicus and Junia. Andronicus and Junia. Now you can work on Andronicus, but Junia is who we need to focus on. Because according to this article, Junia was an apostle and Junia was a woman. So that Junia would have been a female, a woman apostle Therefore, having the same apostolic authority as any of the male apostles. Let me read from the article itself. Here we go. In a similar way, gender hierarchists typically either give Junia a sex change or deny she was an apostle and then just outstanding in the eyes of the apostles. So those who hold to a gender hierarchy typically will say Junia was not a woman, was a man, or if she was a woman, she wasn't an apostle, she was just outstanding in the eyes of the apostles. Chrysostom repudiates both with one exception. Epiphanius, who is not credible since he also identifies Prisca as a man, Every record of every church leader who commented on Junia during the first millennium of the church treats her as an outstanding woman apostle. So they did find one individual. Um, I guess his name would be Epiphanias, if I'm saying his name correctly. Epiphanias. Epiphanias. And they're like, no, 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 he, he, we can't trust him because his opinions were wrong because he, he didn't, he identified Prisca even a, as a man. So, so we can't trust him. So, so of course they find one that doesn't agree with him. They throw him out, can't trust him, but they claim that every other church father, that there is not one that, um, that every other church leader who commented on Junia during the first millennium, treats her as an outstanding woman apostle. So, here's what I want you to do first. Is Junia mentioned anywhere else in the Bible? That's That'll take you about five seconds. Is Junia mentioned anywhere else in the Bible? Once you establish that there are no other verses to use to identify this person, to identify their role, to identify what authority they may or may not have had, once you establish that there is nothing else there, then all you have is Romans 16, 7. Then what I want you to do: so first, identify any other passages where Junia may or may not be mentioned, right? Or just to try to find out. If you can't find any other cross references, then you're left with Romans sixteen seven. I want you to look at Romans sixteen seven and every English translation you can find on earth, and determine what is the right way to understand Romans sixteen seven. Is it referring to Junia as an apostle? Or is it just saying that Junia was of note amongst the apostles? Was Junia someone that the apostles took note of? Or was Junia an apostle themselves? So first, see if there's any other scripture. If there's no other scripture, then Romans 16, 7 becomes critical in how you interpret it. Do you interpret it to be saying Junia was an apostle? Or do you interpret it to say Junia was just of note amongst the apostles? That's a big difference. Now, once you've looked and once you determine how you interpret Romans 16, 7, then guess what? You can start looking up every article you can find to determine is there, w- 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 how much agreement is there on Junia being a woman and how much uh, agreement is there her being an apostle or not an apostle? Now, for argument's sake, I would also want you to consider this. Let's consider that Junia was a woman and she was an apostle. Would that change how you understand the roles of women in positions of authority in the church? Would that would that greatly impact you going, wait a minute, if Junia was an apostle, therefore she would have had apostolic authority. Wait a minute, wait a minute, I've got to change how I interpret the rest of Scripture. Junia, that that is our goal today. Junia, 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 Junia. That that's who I want. I want you, and I want, and then I want you to. Then you can look up every source after that. But I want you to just consider this: Is Junia mentioned anywhere in the Bible? How do you actually interpret the words of Romans sixteen seven? How do you interpret that? Then I want you to just look up everything you can find about Junia, and then I want you to ask yourself: If she was an apostle, if she was, if she was a she. And if she was an apostle, how would that impact your understanding of gender roles in the rest of scripture? Now, they go on to work through other passages. They're saying that were misinterpreted, that should not be understood that way. I mean, I mean, the whole article is about basically repudiating the, the typical view of gender hierarchy within the church and within the Christian home. They, they basically try to repudiate all of it. Now, has everyone gotten it wrong? I'm more than willing, I'm more than willing to always consider. Look, look, here's the thing. When it comes to these kinds of issues, don't have a side. Don't have a team. You're not, I'm pro male leadership. I'm pro female leadership. Don't have a team. What you want to do is just try to figure out what the scriptures say and don't worry about who you may offend on your side. It's not about who cares who you offend. Find the truth. And look, we do have obviously, I mean, I just came back from Boston slash Salem. I mean, look how wrong the church was in Salem during the witch trials. (laughs) How horribly wrong the church was. Church leaders, how wrong they got things. And people died. And, And wait, two dogs were put to death as well for being witches. It was insane. They lost their ever living mind. How many times has the church gotten things wrong? Is this one of them? I'm not just, I'm, look, by no means am I saying yes or no. I'm just saying that we've got to, I'm, I, I look, when I see an article like this, I could just go, ah, disagrees with my view. So I'm going to ignore it, but I don't do that. I'm like, okay, I'm willing to consider this. I'm willing to consider this again. Go to the ChristianPost.com, Find the article: "The Church Fathers Repudiate Gender Hierarchies in the Bible." Look for it. Read it. But work on Junia today. Email me your findings. Newsifyahoo.com. Newsifyahoo.com. That's the Newsifyahoo.com. I'm going to be curious how many people are willing to really dig into this. If I go down to the uh, the comments under this, there's only a couple. Um. Here we go. Uh, the first one, 40 minutes, 40, 41 minutes ago. Well, not the very first uh, post, but 41 minutes ago. They don't have them in uh, order of, uh, they don't have them in chronological order. It says, disappointing to see yet another gender agenda article in the Christian Post. Pain loathes biblical headship. Genesis 2.15, Eve is created as a helper for Adam. See also 1 Corinthians 11.9, after falling into sin, the Lord calls for accountability for Adam, not Eve. Okay, that's a good argument. Romans 5.12 says, sin entered the world through one man, yet Eve ate first. Why did sin enter through Adam and not Eve? Headship is the answer. Okay, that's a good argument for trying to argue that male headship or leadership or responsibility was placed on Adam even before the fall. Okay. Uh, Paine thinks this egalitarianism is liberating to women. It's actually the tactic of the serpent. The quiet lie is that women are, are the quiet lie is that women are worth less than men unless they perform the roles of men. When Scripture actually teaches the submission of a wife to a husband is modeled by Christ submitting to His head, God. A biblical headship with husbands, leading and loving wives, respecting and helping husbands is a beautiful design by the creator. It imitates Christ and the church, but Payne would rather have a business partnership partnership style of marriage with two power players arguing over who calls the shot. Now consider what that kind of co-leadership arrangement says about Christ and the church. Obviously, there's someone who strongly disagrees with it. Now, that'll go into... um That'll go into our... uh J- Junia, I almost gave her a new name, Junia, or him, him, her, them, right. I almost gave them a different name. Uh, they don't mention Junia in those comments, but okay. They, they're kind of, they're, they're more worried about trying to establish that headship was established before the fall. Uh, go, someone else goes on to say, people who read the Bible to find what God wants wants them to to do get one kind of response. People who read the Bible to show that God agrees with their opinion get a different response. I find it's not all that hard to tell one group from the other. Okay, well, maybe, but I think everyone uses the Bible. But all right, uh, I turn to the Bible first and most to learn about God. Okay, well, whatever. Okay, so there's the the the. Comments currently, not not a lot. So it's not getting a lot of uh, basically any article dealing with the church fathers. No one cares. <laughs> no one. Cares. I, I I I am not as again to me the church fathers can tell me baptize babies. It doesn't mean I'm going to do it. The church fathers can tell me let women you know run the church. It doesn't mean I'm going to do it. just because the church father says something. It doesn't mean I believe they're authoritative. But I do like to listen to what they have to say. But I have a feeling. I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure if we go through the Church Fathers, we could write an article arguing the opposite from the words of the Church Fathers. I really do believe that we could. I really do believe we could. But for now, I just want to use the article to get you to do something today. Junia needs to be a found. Will the r- real Junia please stand up? Well, the real Junia police that we need to know, are you male or female? Were you an apostle or not an apostle? And if you were a woman, and if you were an apostle, what does that mean for our beliefs about gender roles within the church and home? I'm assuming if you do a Google search for Junia, you're going to find all kinds of things. But start by finding, was Junia mentioned anywhere else in the Bible? That's simple. Once that's, once you, then, then you have all the biblical evidence that you have. And once you've eliminated, you know, once you've eliminated not having anything else to go to, then you've got Romans 16, 7, and then it comes down to how you interpret it. Is that saying Junia was an apostle or not? And look at all the different translations to see what you come up with. And then we'll start looking up every, look every Bible dictionary, Bible encyclopedia, Junia, Junia. Is there consensus? Has there been any archaeological discoveries that once for all identifies Junia as a woman, as a man, as an apostle, as just someone who was noted by the apostles for all their assistance and help? All right. The reason I'm handing this for you to do is when you find it, then you won't be tossed to and fro with every article that comes out mentioning Junia, you'll be like, hey, I know exactly what to do here. I know I know how to. Hand- I know the answer because you looked it up for yourself. All right, email me your thoughts. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. All right, I'm going to go downstairs, ensure that the animals are okay. I'm going to give them some notebooks, some pencils, and I'm going to tell the dogs and the cat to identify Junia today before they can have any food. Okay, all right. Obviously, that's probably not going to happen. All right, but I need you to identify. So let's see who can uh, be first today. Whoever is first wins, I don't know, fame, recognition, power, prestige, or just you gain a little bit of knowledge. All right, thanks for listening. Everyone have a great day. God bless.